The fundamental religious principle is the sanctity of life. Choose life so that you and your offspring may live. Every other religious principle flows from this foundational truth. Every life is precious. Every life is sacred. Jewish sages taught that to save a person's life is akin to saving the world and to destroy a life is akin to destroying the world. Whoever sheds blood destroys the image of God, the rabbis teach. Our basic moral requirement is to preserve life. And while each human life is sacred and equal, in the sight of God. Our heaviest obligation is to safeguard the lives of our children, those who are dependent on us and who cannot protect themselves. What does it say about a country that cannot even protect its children? The massacre of 19 9 to 11-year-olds and two of their teachers in Uvalde is only the latest example of a volcano of violence. Over 1,500 children under the age of 18 were killed by gun violence last year. What does it say about a country that tolerates child sacrifice, offering its young upon the altar of the narrowest definition of the Second Amendment? What kind of political ideology would fight so hard to protect a zygote, insisting that life begins at fertilization? Fertilization. While at the same time fight so hard against even modern, modest efforts to protect those who were actually born. Such fervor for the individual's liberty to bear arms from those so committed to preventing the reproductive liberty of the individual. And does this epidemic of violence not limit our freedom when we cannot even go to the movies or the mall? or to school without worrying that someone who is legally carrying an assault rifle will commit atrocities? They say they are for freedom. What are they talking about? We are creating a society that is less free, where danger lurks around every corner. Do we really want to live this way? Do Americans really want to convert schools and public spaces into armed camps? Do we really want to be afraid of going to the mall, a movie, a concert? In exchange for what? The presumed right to purchase an assault rifle with no questions asked and no background checked? 
No right is absolute. All rights must be balanced against other rights. Your right to purchase firearms must be balanced against my right to life and safety. Donald Trump spoke or was scheduled to speak today at the NRA conference. I don't know if he spoke or not. You know, I don't tend to listen to his speeches. But anyone who wanted to enter the auditorium while he was there was required to relinquish their firearms. No guns were allowed in the room where Donald Trump speaks at the NRA conference, for God's sake. They themselves limited, regulated the right to bear arms at the NRA convention. And what is the solution that they offer to this epidemic of gun violence that kills over 100 people a day in our country? More guns. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. That's it. That's all you can think of. Guns are not the problem, people are. That's it. That's the only pearl of wisdom that you can come up with. You know, cranes don't kill people either. Negligent people do, but we regulate the use of cranes. Cars don't kill people. Drivers do. But we regulate the use of cars and limit the liberty of drivers by age, sobriety, ability to see, and a whole host of other restrictions. Or here's a heartfelt solution proffered by the professionals of political patronization. Arm the teachers. Train teachers and children to throw chairs at the shooters. That's it? That's your solution? Or here's a response from a particularly sensitive politician. We offer our thoughts and prayers. And now is not the time to talk politics. Don't politicize tragedy. It is despicable, a symptom of advanced moral disease. I'm not an expert on gun control, but I am an expert on thoughts and prayers. And as an expert, I can assure you that prayers are always appropriate but never enough. Judaism is insistent. Thoughts are good. Prayers are better. Deeds are necessary. Thoughts and prayers must lead to action. Good intentions are desirable, but good outcomes are required. Piety is in performance. To offer only thoughts and prayers 
disrespects the very religion in whose name you offer such pious petitions. And if you are a legislator, by all means, pray hard. But we hired you to legislate, not pray. In truth, America is sick, and we are getting worse, not better. We are all patients now in the emergency room of democracy, not yet on life support, but getting closer. Our health is deteriorating. We are paralyzed politically, ideologically, culturally, and legislatively, and inundated with conspiracy theories and extreme ideologies that put our very freedoms at risk. We can hardly agree on anything anymore. Not even that an 18-year-old kid should be prevented from purchasing two assault rifles and 375 rounds of ammunitions with no questions asked. We can't even agree on that. As if America's founders could have envisioned, let alone intended, the Second Amendment to include a submachine gun capable of firing 900 rounds a minute. I spent three years in the military carrying around these kind of assault rifles. They were attached to me as if they were an appendage to my body. I ate with them. I slept with them. They have one purpose, to kill as many people as possible as quickly as possible. We hardly pause anymore after mass shootings. We have become accustomed to them. Little shocks us now. Yet another sign of advanced moral disease. Just in the weeks before Uvalde, shoppers were massacred in a supermarket in Buffalo in a horrific racist rampage. Worshippers in a church in California were gunned down. More than a dozen people were wounded by gunfire in Milwaukee after a basketball game. Here in New York, we have endured a mass shooting and other murders and crimes on subways in the past weeks. If we stop and stare, it's just for a few days. We quickly move on. We have become benumbed by belligerence. Legislators know that. They know they just need to hold on and withstand the maelstrom of outrage for a few days or weeks. You know you're in trouble as an individual and as a society when human pain and tragedy no longer has the power to arouse you. And you know you are in trouble as a country when your representative's legislative strategy is, tra uh, strategy is to wait until it all dies down. And dying down is the right phrase, because the next mass shooting is only hours, days, or weeks 
away. The United States averages almost two mass shootings a day. It has become much too easy for us to accept the unacceptable. We have become adjusted to maladjustment, normalized to abnormality. We extend our sympathies, convene prayer services, shed a tear, mumble words of resolve and unity, and move on, awaiting the next atrocity we know will occur, just hoping that it won't happen here. And even if it didn't yet happen here, mass shootings in one part of America affect all parts of America because they undermine our trust in government, our trust in authority, and our trust in each other. With every massacre, we die a little, a little enjoyment, a little pleasure, and a little freedom are sucked out of the American landscape. And this is how America ends, not at the hands of external enemies, but by suicide. As Abraham Lincoln said, all the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa combined could not by force take a drink from the Ohio in a thousand years. If destruction be our lot, we must see ourselves as its author and finisher. I share so many people's sense of weariness and powerlessness that no matter what we do, nothing will change. We must fight against this impulse of hopelessness. Despair is corrosive to the human spirit. Look for ways to be inspired. Our congregants, Jason Odell, William, Jason Odell Williams and Charlotte Cohn will be presenting a reading of Jason's brilliant play. The two of them are here sitting with us today. Church and State on Tuesday, June 7th at 8 o'clock here at Stephen Wise. Come and be inspired. And don't despair. Remember, social gains are rarely easy and never permanent. Progress, like gay rights, minority rights, the rights of women to make decisions for themselves on matters affecting their own bodies, these advances have been fought for indefinitely. There is no relaxing, only perpetual vigilance. We must continue to believe that while the moral arc of the universe is long, it bends towards justice. Perhaps there is some reason for some hope that some progress will be made in the aftermath of Uvalde. There is some talk about modest red flag and background check measures 
that might find some consensus in Congress. If so, we should take what we can get now. Even modest measures will save lives while continuing to fight for more substantial firearm regulations on assault rifles, magazine capacities, and mental health measures. Few gun control advocates seek to take all guns away from law-abiding citizens. It is about limiting access to firearms from those who want to use them to murder. Surely there is common ground in America for these common sense measures. I can't stop thinking of those 19 kids. I stare at their pictures, looking deeply into their eyes. For those of us who are parents, we know that parenthood is a contract with fear. We deposit all that we have into our children and we learn daily how vulnerable we are. Talmudic rabbis speak of Yisurei the sufferings of love. From the first time we hold our babies in our arms, from the very first moments of life, we experience a kind of anxiety that gnaws at our very being and tempers our exhilaration. To look into a child's eye is to look at human purity in its most basic form. We hold our babies in our arms and with all of the future milestones that we imagine, birthdays, graduations, accomplishments, recognitions, bat mitzvahs. We also envision the pitfalls and disappointments that our child will endure. The failures, the slings and arrows, the taunting and teasing, the disillusionment, the inevitable losses, and the dangers lurking at every turn. And yet, we proceed headlong nonetheless believing that the road is worth taking. It is a miraculous attribute of human beings, the commitment to life and to the future, despite the dangers and the risks. Our sages were adamant. Children constitute the most eloquent affirmation of faith that life is precious and worth sharing with others. To look at a child, your child, your newborn, is to experience the miracle of creation in its most elementary state and to commit to the principle that each generation can bring the human race that much closer to peace and tranquility. To murder children is to murder the future. 
Think of all the children who should have been born but never will because their parents were murdered in fourth grade in Uvalde, Texas. When we look at a 10-year-old child, the best of us is reflected in them. We see ourselves. When all was sunlight, before the encroaching shadows darkened our horizons. The unadulterated, spontaneous laughter of a child reminds us of the most innate attributes of human nature, goodness, compassion, dependency on others, joy, and a certain lightness of being. We are reminded of the miracle of life, and we remember that there is goodness in us, and that our task is to bring goodness, compassion, and relief to others. If I can stop one heart from breaking, I shall not live in vain. If I can ease one life the aching, or cool one pain, or help one fainting robin into his nest again, I shall not live in vain. Our hearts break for the victims and their families. We pray for a complete and speedy recovery from those in, for those in need of healing and weep for the families of the murdered. May God remember these pure and precious souls who were taken much before their time May they be bound up in the bonds of everlasting life. And may they rest in peace.